Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. My friend and colleague Shannon Sizzler is a business-minded, progressive SVP and Chief People Officer at Crocs. She has a successful track record building, directing and transforming human resources practices that enable high-level success for global corporations. She's been recognized, well-deserved, might I say, with the 2020 Denver Business Journal C-Suite Award, the University of Denver 2019 Steward Award, and by the Colorado Diversity Council as one of the 2015 most powerful and influential women. She enjoys global travel, or did before COVID, personally and professionally, having visited more than 70 countries and spending time with her family here in the Colorado mountains. Shannon, welcome to People First. Well, thank you for having me, Morag. I'm excited to be here. I have been so looking forward to this conversation, and it's ironic that the, the podcast is a great excuse for me to reconnect with friends and colleagues yeah. um, from across the years. But I'm going to start, as I do every episode, with your origin story, because leadership journeys are rarely the straight line that people assume, they have windy, windy turns. So when you go back to elementary school and the teacher's asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up, Shannon? What was your answer way back then? Yeah, way back then, I actually <laughs> had two answers. It's hard to remember. I had two answers. One was I wanted to be a race car driver. I wanted to drive a hot pink drag racer like Shirley Muldowney and drive a dragster, um, which I still unfortunately drive a little fast. And the other option was I either wanted to be a teacher, but actually more of a principal. And I used to play school a lot as a little kid. And I think ironically, I might have ended up as a principal, but for uh, corporations. <laughs> uh, well, yes, kind of. It's interesting. I didn't know we had that in common because one of my fantasies jobs uh, earlier in my life was as a rally driver. And I spent a day actually at Silverstone Racetrack learning to do that. Absolutely terrifying. Talk about having high trust with your navigator that, you know, do 80 miles an hour, hard right, turn left. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. All right. So principle maybe for corporate, but what was the pivot turn? Because I know early in your career, you were a consultant and now you excel in the human resources and the people side of business. So what was it that took you from um, principal and or racing car driver. <laughs> yeah. So I actually graduated, um, our undergrad degree with a degree in finance. And I started out oh. with Anderson consulting or now Accenture. And I started in their process group. And that meant that I had to learn to program, um, which anyone that knows me would be a little frightened that I was actually doing C, C++ and COBOL as my first job. Uh, but I remember going to them and saying, you know, while I can't do programming, it's not necessarily one of my biggest interests. Is there any way that I could teach the class instead of um, be an actual programmer. And they said, well, yeah, you can teach the class. We would feel comfortable with that. And then that's actually what led me into their business process um, outsourcing division. And I, I then started doing kind of deals between um, Accenture and clients where we transitioned people. And so my first five years, I was doing kind of people-related HR activities, but I was client-facing in a consulting role. So I kind of just tiptoed my way in. I don't think I intentionally landed in this field, um, but that's probably um, 
I think something you'll see in my entire journey. <laughs> seize the opportunity as yeah, it's presented. Yes. So what's kept you here then? You may not have gone looking for it, but now there's a certain track record that says you're thriving in the people side of successful businesses in different industries. So what's keeping you and, and piquing your curiosity about the human side of successful organizations? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's one that that has evolved over time, right? I consider myself a business person that happens to do, um, you know, people focused work, not the other way around, right? So I'm very focused on the top and bottom line and how we deliver results. But I have a real interest in how people contribute to that. And I really do believe that when you have an engaged workforce, you can deliver the best results. And that to me, I've seen over and over again, um, you know, when they're engaged, they deliver amazing. When you see a work Force that's not feeling, you know, good about their work environment or the value proposition you're giving them, I do see that it detracts from the overall business results. So it's been, you know, a great learning journey over time. It's interesting you mentioned their engagement and how that makes a difference. And I know Gallup have obviously been tracking engagement with their Gallup 12 questions for many years. So how have you seen that conversation around engagement and people change throughout your career? Yeah, I think it has changed a lot, which I'm super excited about. We actually use Glint as our um, survey measurement tool, and it really is how we listen to people over time. And I would say, you know, we've gone are the days of, you know, just doing an annual engagement survey to see how people are doing. And, and we actually choose to, to listen to our employees on a regular basis to hear how things are going. Um, but I think the thing that I'm most excited about with regard to the engagement discussion is it's no longer an HR, you know, tool or process or practice, right? I think that when I were, if I were to go out and ask our business leaders, they would tell you like they own engagement and HR supports and enables them um, to take some, some good corrective actions and make sure we're listening well and we give them the tools and resources, but it really is a, a business activity. It's not an HR activity. And I think that is a key to success. And, you know, at Crocs, we've actually, we have top decile engagement. We've had that for a couple of years and you can really see that driving the results. It is amazing because when I think about Crocs and the complexity of your business, a global business, global supply chain, global distribution, yeah. you have manufacturing, you have research and design, you have the full gamut of employee experience there. And if there's one thing I noticed in 2020, it seemed to me that from the get-go, Crocs responded to the pandemic and hit the ground running. And I realized that it's not quite as easy as that. So help me understand what was happening behind the scenes at the leadership team level as 2020 and Q1 was unfolding. Right. Well, we got an early preview to what 2020 was going to look like because, just like you said, we start with manufacturing and a lot of that's done out of Asia. So we started to see the impacts of the pandemic quite early. And I think that really enabled us as a leadership to, um, to team to come together. And we put together a pretty comprehensive offensive and defensive plan. And I think it's important to do both. What I, One of the things I've noticed is that a lot of companies went into defensive mode only to protect and mm -hmm. secure their business. And while that's incredibly important and we did the same thing, I think it's also really important to say offensively, 
how can we look at this moment in time as an opportunity to, you know, take the organization to the next level, deliver differentiated results. And that led us to some of the activities that we did. I think the other piece that I would, you know, just give you is it was a very action oriented um, leadership team. So we were on calls daily saying, you know, what's our plan? How are we making progress? And we made very quick decisions, which ultimately really helped us thrive during a difficult time. So how do you get senior leaders to make quick decisions in an environment that was literally changing minute by minute? Yeah, I think you you get them on the phone, the virtual phone at this point, and you just say, okay, these are the things that we have to tackle. These are the decisions that have to be made. By tomorrow, come back to me with a recommendation. But I think in order to do that, you have to you have to say, I'm I'm not going to hold you to this decision being 100% perfect. That's not realistic in this moment in time. What is realistic is to be action oriented, to think about the risks of what you're doing and the upsides and balance. And if we get some stuff wrong which we inevitably will, you know, we will, we'll iterate and we'll change as we go, but we have to take decisive action now. And, and having a conversation about that. I think there were a lot of people that were nervous about having that conversation and making decisions and they wanted to see how it played out. Um, and we, we took a very different approach. So to what extent did your time horizon change? Were you planning for the medium longer term from the get-go or were you like the rest of us, hoping that this will be done by summer. Um, but as it became apparent that that was not the case, then you adjust the time horizon. How did that work out? Yeah, we, I think because of our global mandate, um, we knew this was not going to be a short-term thing. So we did a lot of scenario planning, kind of worst case, normal case, best case, and put all those plans into place. And, and they had at least a year horizon. Um, you know, as a global public company, we need to do what's in the best interest for our shareholders. And so that means doing especially financial scenario planning um, that's going to have longer-term implications. And so tell me about the engagement data then from Glint, because you're continually serving um, employees. And of course, they're all going through their individual reactions and change curve as this information comes to light. So what did you learn about engagement, employee morale, job satisfaction, et cetera, during this period? Yeah, I think this has been one of my highlights for 2020 is this learning. And, and what I learned was we were super fortunate that we went into the pandemic with top decile engagement. And I remember, you know, when we were doing that offensive defensive strategy, Andrew Reese, our CEO, you know, he's, I had set goals for what engagement would look like for 20. And I said, you know, I think, you know, looking at some of the actions that we're going to have to take, I'm not sure what this is going to do to engagement. It could be a bumpy ride this year. And he looked at me straight in the camera and he's like, I expect engagement to stay where it's at. And that's your goal. And I was like, okay, well, that's my goal. And you know what I learned was that, you know, all those books and case studies that I've looked at that say, you know, if you have an engaged workforce, they give discretionary effort and that drives better business results. I got to see how that really works in a really difficult time. And I've been so impressed with how our workforce has come together and they have given more discretionary effort um, than I could possibly imagine during this time. I mean, people, we did furloughs, we did part-time hours, we did pay cuts and everyone stuck with us. And our engagement actually ticked up a point in the um, mm. pandemic versus went down. But I also think we made a commitment as an organization to be extremely transparent 
transparent and we increased communication regularly. There was a time period that Andrew, our CEO and other leaders, we were doing town halls every single week globally to tell everyone what was going on week by week to give them the play by play. And I think that transparent communication is part of what yielded you know, good sentiment throughout the entire pandemic. So, so I, what I found is that all those case studies that if you really are, you know, engaged, you will see differentiated results. And and we're fortunate that we've seen that. Engagement is contagious. I love the success. (laughs) Absolutely. And it comes back to, to your point to the leadership team. You obviously had a foundation of trust, of candor and debate, one where we could take informed risk, make quick decisions and not get beaten over the head if new information or that decision needs to change. But it's the best right decision here and now. And then the transparency, as you've just described with employees, to communicate the why and the what that comes from that. Yeah. So as you look across the globe and the Crocs family, are there some stories and anecdotes that stand out for you that really epitomize that discretionary effort that you were talking about Um, a minute ago? Yeah, there's probably a couple. The first one that I would point to is we decided very early on in the pandemic, you know, during the March timeframe that we were going to do share pair with healthcare. And so we literally gave away, um, 40 uh, retail value of $40 million of shoes, 860,000 pairs in 45 days. And that was an idea that from start of the idea to actual communication and execution took us a week to announce and implement that um, activity. And so we went to market very quickly and said, you know, this is a time where our consumers need us and we can provide comfort in a very difficult time. And we're going to do the right thing and give these shoes away. And I will tell you that that brought so much pride to our workforce that we were able to go out there around the globe. It wasn't just a North America thing and and provide comfort to the people that were on the front lines. And and when I look at what that takes, right, so it's a nice headline. And but when you think about the effort that had to go into that, right, first, we had to find the shoes that were available to give away, you know, in our Mm -hmm. supply chain. And then we had to, you know, have our digital commerce team figure out a way online to let people come every day and say, hey, I want to get a free pair. And they waited in line at a certain time each day to get their name there. And that we we had a way to um, tangibly give those away. And then we had to have all of our workers in the distribution center who kept working during the pandemic actually ship those shoes from all over the world um, to get to that frontline worker. And then all the marketing and messaging that went with that. And so when you think about the group effort that it took and the fact that we were able to pivot in a week to make that happen, and it really did impact like many, many people's lives, right? And and it might sound like a small thing, but it's not if you're standing on your feet, you know, for 14 hours a day and, and comfort is going to give you joy. And so in a very hard time. So that's a great example of uh, just a workforce that, that stayed so engaged through a difficult situation. It's the ripple effect, because as you say, it's the story about how within Crocs, the family rallied together. It's the ripple effect for those healthcare workers who now can stand more comfortably. But it's the ripple effects for people like me who are connected to the brand, who would see the social media posts and see this as a silver lining that's coming out of what could feel like a very depressing time. So as you look now where we're at and we're planning into 2021, how has this influenced the people strategy and the sense of team within Crocs? Right. 
Well, I, th- I think this pandemic has taught us internally that we're we're stronger than we thought, you know, and, and that's actually been really good because one of our values is being confidently comfortable and, and, and that confidence is really important for an organization to feel, you know, Crocs has had a hard journey. They've had really amazing years, difficult mm-hmm. years in the last few years we've been on the rise, but you know, when, when difficult times come at you, you, you have to look in the mirror and say, can we do this? Right. Do you think we have what we need to get this done? And I think it's been a nice boost of confidence for everyone to see that we can come together. We can perform dirt during difficult times. And that action orientation is something that I look forward to taking into 21 and beyond. Because if we can keep those behaviors going and keep that innovative thinking where everyone's working together, we will continue to see differentiated results. And and people take a lot of pride in that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the town halls earlier on. You mentioned that um, sense of contribution to something bigger. One of the things that the leaders and companies I'm working with uh, are struggling with Mm -hmm. is we used to have a mothership corporate HQ, whatever, that's where culture, that's where values, um, et cetera, kind of lived and breathed. And yet now in a distributed workforce, I'm an organization with 5,000 HQs because everybody's working out of their bedroom. And so the conversation around organizational culture and how do you nurture it? Do you even need it? But how do you create a sense of team when all I know is I'm working in these same four walls, I'm working on my own. So what are you seeing that's helping in the different environments that you have? You've got essential workers coming in doing manufacturing. I see corporate office staff who've been working at home, but now doing a hybrid situation. How do you remain, maintain that sense of connection to what makes Crocs special? Right. Well, we think that's incredibly important. And even if we do have 5,000, you know, mini HQs, we do think that creating culture is really important. And so, you know, it, it looks different for our different workforces, to your point, right? So, you know, in the distribution centers where those frontline workers are the ones making sure the shoes get in the stores or get in your hands, you know, it has been day to day. How do we find ways to reward and recognize what they're doing and, and things to keep them safe in the work environment, right? Um, and then in the retail stores, we've had to, we furloughed our retail staff and then brought them back over time. And and we've done lots of, you know, we've done, we just did a special incentive for them to say thank you for their contribution over the last quarter. That was kind of an unexpected surprise and delight, which I think, you know, really was our way of saying thank you because they came to the table and are just doing really well engaging with our customers and lines are out their doors and yet they're finding a way to get through that. And then, you know, for our corporate work staff where a lot of them, you know, are working from home, although most of our corporate offices are open. Um, if you want to come in and we've got a lot of safety standards around that, you know, we have really talked with leaders and leaders have talked with their teams about how do we maintain culture and maintaining culture for us is, you know, we still do town halls regularly. We still do what we call 1200 seconds, you know, every couple of weeks, we still have team meetings. We have standups. You might be standing up in your bedroom on your desk, but you're standing up, right. Um, having that meeting. And so each group has come together to say, these are our team norms, even, you know, though our whole world has changed. And so I think actively talking about what's the culture we want to create given the current circumstances for each different workforce is super important and and not something I just want to brush over, right? It's actually more important now um, that we've got such different circumstances. 
And I think that's the power of the Glint survey in that it's continuous feedback from different parts of the world and the business versus, to your point, the once a year annual snapshot that could cause you to miss hot spots and be unable to respond in a timely fashion. So I'm curious, how has your own leadership philosophy and leadership style adjusted to this crucible that we've gone through? Right. Well, I, th- I think it's reinforced a lot of the things that I've believed for a long time, right? That, that an action orientation is, is really important. Transparent communication is important. You know, engagement really does yield better results. And so if anything, it, it's reinforced some of those. I think the other thing that it's, it's had me really contemplate this year is, you know, how do you provide um, more flexibility and empathy for people going through so many things personally and professionally while still being, you know, business focused on the outcomes and how do those live in harmony? And it might sound easy from the headline, but, you know, day to day when someone's saying, you know, I have kids at home that I have to do self-study and yet I have business meetings I'm supposed to be in, you know, how do you, how do you um, accommodate that and yet still stay true to our shareholders and deliver a return? And so, you know, I think I've spent a lot more time thinking about what that looks like and we don't have all the answers, but I think it starts with having really meaningful conversations, sometimes person by person, sometimes group by group, and then being flexible and saying, you know, we're going to tell you what we know today. And if it changes in 30 days, we'll come back and have a different conversation. And, and also, you know, right now we haven't been able to give as long out answers as we would typically give. um, But we have committed to being transparent and very communicative, which I think is helping. So a little more iterations than I would typically see. My experience is that those companies that have been deliberate and thoughtful in having those conversations, recalibrating, what does it mean to be part of Crocs? What does business professional mean when I'm working in a 500 square foot apartment and my toddler is running through, et cetera? Making the implicit explicit is what's made a huge difference versus, no, we've got to be buttoned up prim and proper. That isn't always feasible. Right. So I love the fact that you've been driving that conversation and involving everybody one-on-one and on the team basis for recalibrating what does it mean to be a successful organization and team in yeah. 2020. And I think more, you know, one of our, our taglines is come as you are. And mm-hmm. I think this is, that's been with us for many years now, but it, it's really shown up in different ways, you know, for employees this year, come as you are to your point, is that toddler running behind the scenes when you're on a video call? And we have had to get more glimpses of people's personal and professional lives as they come together. And yet I think having an inclusive culture where you really can show up as a unique individual, it truly can be a differentiator and, and something that we're even leaning into more. Mm. So as you look to the future, what's one thing you hope that we all collectively take away from this experience? I hope I've been hoping this for a long time, but I believe that you show up not only as a worker, but as a human being. And I've always thought that there is. it's important to blend personal and professional in an appropriate way. I don't need to know all of your personal business, Mm -hmm. but, you know, a person that shows up that has, you know, really what are medical challenges or family challenges or school challenges to work, they don't just leave that at the door. And I hope that if anything, this year has taught us that we're, we're people first, right? And, and we have to 
find who those people are and how to support them. And if you can find the right way to support them while also, you know, professionally motivating and, and engaging them, then we really can strive to get the, de the desired outcomes that we're looking for. So I'm hoping that we continue to have a little bit of that blurred line between personal and professional in an appropriate way. I love it. And Shannon, as we come towards the end of our time together, what final thoughts do you have around how to create and maintain a highly engaged workforce? I think, you know, it starts with communication. You got to say things over and over again. You got to talk with people individually. You need to have two-way communication and really listen to how people are feeling and respond and take visible dem um, demonstrated actions to really respond to what they're wanting and needing at that time. And then, you know, recognize the contribution that people are making. That recognition, whether it's for something small or big, can just make such a difference. And, and that's something I, I hope that we sustain in the years to come. Well, Shannon, I want to recognize you for being a guiding light and an inspiration. How can people listening just stay in touch and connected with your thoughts and philosophy, but also uh, learn more about what's happening at Crocs? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Crocs as a whole is very active on all the social media channels. So you can find us on, on Facebook and Instagram and all over the world. Um, I'm also on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn is a really good way to, to get in touch with me. So people feel free to drop me a note and um, we're happy to get back with you or someone on my team will. And, and uh, we hope that everyone can come as you are as we move forward. So I look forward to connecting with people. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.